So, we are on our last teaching on the topic of strengthening your heart. We've done this for six weeks, and this is the last one. If uh, you haven't been here for all the teachings, um, the CDs are in the back, and they're free, so there's no excuse not to get caught up. You'll be blessed. They, they were good. I, I listened to them. They were, they were good. I liked them. But uh, we're talking about strengthening our hearts, and our, and our heart, we're not talking about the blood pump in us. We're not talking about that organ in us. We're talking about the center, the core, what makes up the center of a human. And we know, the Bible teaches in, that uh, we are a triune being. You know, it's interesting that the Trinity, God is a triune being, and we were created in his image, and we're a triune being. And you're saying, what do you mean by a triune being? I mean, you are a spirit, you have a soul, that's your mind, will, emotions. You know, when you, when you leave your body to be with the Lord, that you still are who you are? If you love Jesus when you leave your body, guess what? You're going to love Jesus when, you, or when, you, when you're in your body and you love Jesus. When you leave your body, you're going to love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, it's not like automatically you just a switch goes off and all of a sudden you're forced to love Jesus after that. You're the same person. You're the, the, you're, you, you are an individual in the body of Christ. You are a member in the body of Christ, right? So we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in this meat, meat suit called our body. And to be on this earth, you have to have a body. And that's why Jesus came in the Flesh. That's why God came in the flesh. He dwelt among us. He took on flesh. So we're talking about strengthening our heart, what makes up the center of a human being, and that is the spirit and the soul. The spirit and the soul makes up the inner man, who you are inside. And the great news, the great news is that when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you were born again. And you weren't born with a corruptible seed. You were born with an incorruptible seed. That means it can never, ever, ever be corrupted. Your spirit was rebirthed, and you look exactly like Jesus. You look exactly like Jesus. But the problem is, is that for a lot of us, we've spent a good portion of our life not living or thinking that we are like Jesus. Right? We, we, even religion tells us that you know, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. And we make that excuse. We screw up in life and we say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, that salvation didn't do too good of a job if you're just a sinner saved by grace, if you're still a sinner. No, I'm not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I have to renew my mind, my soul, to the truth of who I am in Christ Jesus. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's pray, and we're going to continue on week six of strengthening our heart. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we are born again, and that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, vacuum sealed. We can't be contaminated. And we have been stamped with your name in the approval of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we thank you for the renewing of our minds, that we would see ourselves the way that you see us. And when we see ourselves the way that you see us, 
then our actions will correspond with the way that we see ourselves. So I'm looking forward with, with what you're going to do in me and what you're going to do in the body here of these members of Caris New Testament Church that you are continuing day by day to make us look just like Jesus, just like our born-again spirits already look. As he is, the Word of God says, so are we in this world. Mm. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the teacher this morning. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and give us hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So up to this point, we've talked about a few different things. Um, we, we talked about how to nourish our hearts, right? How do we nourish our hearts? We have to feed it. Just like you nourish your body, just like you strengthen your body, you have to eat healthy things in your spirit, right? Your soul has to consume a healthy diet. And what we've learned is that a healthy diet is, is grace and truth. Or grace and faith. It's grace and truth. It's truth anyways. But it's what God has done. As you read the Word of God, it's what God has done through Jesus Christ and what we do in faith when we hear what God has done in Jesus Christ. God has already completed everything in his grace, and by faith we appropriate, we believe, we act, we have corresponding actions to what we believe. Amen? It's not about trying to obtain the righteousness of God. It's not about trying to be holy. It's not, it's not trying to force ourselves to be acceptable before God. In Christ Jesus, you are acceptable. You are acceptable. Amen? So we have to eat healthy. We have to eat from the Word of God. We have to renew our minds in every single area of our life. If there's any areas of your life, and I don't want to sound rude here, but it's part of teaching. If there's any areas, let's say you're struggling in marriage. I'd be interested to go to your library, look at your MP3 player or your phone or whatever, and see how much teaching how many books you have about what the Word of God says about marriage, about relationships, about how to be a good husband, about how to be a good wife. If you're struggling in your finances, I would be interested. I would be interested to go to your library and see what books you have on, on spiritual finances, what God says about finances. If you're, if you're struggling with, with, with um, the old sinful nature, I'd be interested on how many books you have about the gospel and the new creation realities and who you are in Christ Jesus. See, we talk about this. We talk about the Word of God nourishes us and strengthens us. But do we act on what we say we believe? Right? That's where corresponding. God's grace, what He did, we find out what God did in His grace, and then we act, we act on it. And the second thing we looked at is not only do you need to be nourished, but you need to exercise to have a strong heart. To have a strong inner man, you need to exercise. Just like you, it's, you can eat healthy all you want, but you won't strengthen your body unless you exercise. And so what, what does that look like? It, we looked at that, and, and that is um, the, the fruit of the Spirit, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Have you ever had a hard time being patient? You know what that means? That means your flesh is trying to control your spirit. 
and you have to exercise, you have to exert strength to be patient. That's exercise. There's resistance, right? Exercise isn't easy. It takes effort. And so how do we strengthen ourselves? By faith. We believe that in the Spirit, that we have been given the fruit of the Spirit, that God dwells within us, and that we are full with the the joy of the Lord. We are full of the Prince of Peace. We are full of love. We are full of gentleness. And when the opportunity comes to be rude to somebody and to be short with somebody, guess what? That's an awesome opportunity to exercise, to exercise the fruit of the Spirit. And it takes effort. But the good news is just like in physical exercise, the more you pump iron in physical exercise, as you can tell, I do that, yeah. But no, the more you pump iron in physical exercise, the easier it gets. And guess what? It's the same way. The same way that you bring your body, your flesh under control. That's what fasting is all about. I know we don't want to talk about that. Fasting isn't about us trying to get closer to God. It's to bring in our flesh under control. It's telling our flesh, you will not eat. But I'm going to die. Well, we're still not going to eat. It's about controlling your flesh. If you have an issue... If you have a, if you have an issue with with any sinful behavior that's not who you are in Christ Jesus, I got I got something you can do. Fast it. Fast it. You don't have to just fast food. You can fast anything. Maybe you watch way too much TV. Decide to fast it. Maybe you are on social media too much. I'm going to fast it. I'm bringing my flesh under control and let my inner man dictate what I do, what I say, what I see, and how I live. That's good. I know. <laughs> so let's look at Proverbs again. Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. That is good news. I know you've heard that for six weeks straight, but that is good news. That says that if I keep the Word of God before me, that it's going to strengthen me, that it's going to bring healing, it's going to bring health, it's going it, to... It, I, when, I, when I submit to the sayings and let them not depart, it just dictates my whole life. And from the very center of my heart, as I guard my heart, how do you guard it? You guard it with the Word of God. As you guard your heart, that's how your life is going to go. That is awesome news. That is good news. And then the next one's just almost just as good, or even better. Proverbs eighteen fourteen. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? A strong inner man, a strong heart will sustain you in the issues of life. I believe, now this is what I believe, that chronic sickness, mental depression, perpetual anxiety, financial lack, Marital disharmony are all manifestations of a contaminated, a contaminated heart. 
Why? Why do I believe that? Because I believe the Word of God. Your pastor believes the Word of God. Isn't that good news to hear? Your pastor believes the Word of God above anything else. And the Word of God says that from the heart flow all the springs of life. All the springs of life. And that a strong spirit of a man sustains him. Will sustain, will sustain him. I'm not going to let um, emotions, I'm not going to let my experiences in life, I'm not going to let your experience of life change what I believe about the Word of God. Right? If you want your circumstances to change, you stay the same in the Word of God. If you want your circumstances to stay the same, you change about what you say that you believe about the Word of God. Amen. So today we're going to end, we're going to end about talking about heart condition. You know, have you ever heard of people saying, I, I have a heart condition? You know, talking about their physical heart. Well, there's a lot of Christians, and I, and I believe that, that in some area, some area in every single believer, there's a little bit of this heart condition. Some people have a huge heart condition. And what a heart condition does is that if you, if, if you eat and you exercise, but if you allow this heart condition to stay the same, it will still weaken your inner man. It will weaken your inner man, and if, if you allow it to continue, it will take you completely out. So you want to know what this heart condition is so we can get rid of it? What is this thing that causes a contaminated heart? Some of you might be thinking, well, it's probably stress, right? Because stress is a big deal in our society. Or maybe it's fear and anxiety, fear and anxiety, worried about tomorrow. You know, when you're worrying, you can't be in faith, right? Um, maybe you're probably thinking, no, he's going to go right to, the, right to the big one. It is sin. Sin is what contaminates my heart. No, that's not it either. Sin is a non-issue. Are we all born again here? Sin is not an issue. If you're born again, you're no longer a sinner. Do you know that? You are no longer a sinner. Did Jesus Christ defeat sin? Did he destroy sin? Are you in Jesus Christ? Then you're not a sinner. But Chad, why do I still sin then? Well, that's a good question. Why do you still sin? You should ask yourself that more often. Because that's not who you are. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're born again, spirit-filled. Now, can born-again, spirit-filled people sin? Well, yeah, you can sin. But guess what? You're not a sinner. Right? I can, I can, put, my, I can, I can put a dress on, put makeup on, walk around in high heels. That doesn't make me a woman. Right? And if I screw up, if I get angry with my kids too much or get angry with my wife or do something I shouldn't, guess what? That doesn't change that I'm a, I'm a saint because who I am in Christ Jesus trumps anything that I am in the flesh. And we're going to see that today. So what is it? If it's not stress, if it's not fear, if it's not even sin that can contaminate my heart, what is it that is so dangerous to humanity. 
the number one cause of spiritual heart disease, spiritual contamination, is condemnation. And you get a good dose of it in most churches. The number one contamination is condemnation. Let's look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, there it is. If your heart doesn't condemn us, if my heart's not condemning me, what is it? What do I, what, what, what do I what's going to happen to us? It says, we have confidence before God. Do you know what confidence before God is? Faith. If our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. There's a promise. If you do not have a condemned heart, if you're not in condemnation, you have confidence towards God, and whatever you ask from Him, He we shall receive. But yeah, look what it says next. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So does this mean that oh, I got to do something to get from God? I thought this was grace. I thought God did it all. And I don't, I don't do to get. I get because of what Jesus Christ has done. Well, let's keep reading. We, you got to read everything in context, right? Verse 23 and this is his commandment. He said to keep his commandment, right? So what's his commandment? Is it the Ten Commandments? Is it the church bylaws? Is it your own personal moral laws that you have in your home? What is the commandments of God? And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And you cannot believe in the name of Jesus Christ and not love one another because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. What is his commandment? To believe. To believe what? In Jesus and what Jesus Christ has done and who you are in Christ Jesus. That's his commandment. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Why didn't anybody tell us this sooner? Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. So when you're believing in Jesus and you're walking in love, you're abiding in God. You're abiding in God. Now, can you be in the body of Christ and choose not to abide in God? Yes. So how do we not abide in God? You can be going to heaven and not being abiding in God here on earth. How do we not abide in God? By not believing in God. And trusting in Jesus and not walking in love. Again, you cannot. A person that is trusting in God walks in love because you're trusting Him to be your provider, you're trusting Him to be the source of your love. Do you know nowhere in the Bible does it say that you need love from another human being? That's very interesting, isn't it? But it commands over and over again for you to love other human beings. Do you know why it, it, you, it never talks about you needing love? 
is because we're supposed to receive our love from God. And when a person has received their love from God, they love other people. And that's what's so sad. Someone that's not very lovable or very loving, the sad, the sad, sad fact is that they don't know how much their God loves them. They don't know how much their God loves them. Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. You literally, see, I believe the word of God. You might not get excited about this, but I'm filled with God. You're filled with God. The spirit of God lives in you. You're abiding in God and God is in you. Do you know, I've said this before, but I'm going to, you've got to realize this. This is how much God loves you. This is how much he has brought you into himself. That God himself became a man, died our death, resurrected, defeated death, sin in the grave, beat the devil, came up from the grave, rose to glory, and at the right hand of God, right smack dab in the Trinity, is a resurrected man. Jesus has been a man. As soon as he became put on flesh, he, became, he chose to unite himself, to marry himself to you for eternity. And where does it say that we are seated? We are seated with him in heavenly places. That's how much your daddy loves you. That's how much... God loves you. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's how much the Spirit of God loves you. He loves you so much that he has married himself to you forever. And the good news is God hates divorce. He's never, ever, ever, ever going to divorce you. You might choose to run from him, but he'll never, ever run from you. That is awesome. So what is this saying? This isn't saying that the answer to our prayers are based on our own holiness. That would violate all the basic principles of the gospel that are so clearly laid out in the New Testament. This is saying that when we have faith in the finished work of Jesus and act in love towards others, this assures, this will assure our heart. This will give us confidence. Because we've got to do it in context. I know your Bibles aren't open, but go back and read this later. But we're going to look at 1 John 3.19. This is the verse that just precedes what we just read. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. How do we assure our hearts before him? By trusting in Jesus Christ and what he has done and loving our neighbors. It brings assurance. It keeps our hearts from being condemned. Right? Keeping his commandments and believing upon the name of Jesus and loving our neighbors assures us, assures our hearts and removes condemnation. And it gives us confidence that produces results that we will receive anything that we ask of him. Condemnation is a killer. Because here's the truth. Those who choose not to live godly still have access to answered prayers. Do you know that? Because God answers our prayers not based on your ability to be holy, on your actions. He does not answer prayers based on our actions. He answers our prayers based on the actions of Jesus Christ and how we appropriate 
what Jesus Christ has done by faith. Do you understand that? He answers prayers by faith, not by actions, by what you believe. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And I'm not talking about just saying, quoting like a parrot, a promise of God, and then going out and saying, so um, how's things going? Well, we're going to lose the house tomorrow. Saying something totally opposite of what you just asked God for. You understand what I'm saying? Living a life of faith. Living a life totally dependent on Jesus in every aspect of life. So you can live ungodly and still have answered prayers through the grace of God and faith in what Jesus has done for you. Independent of performance. But they won't have the confidence. You won't have the confidence that they need to receive. Their own consciences will condemn them, causing doubt to contaminate their faith. Do you understand that? Sin will cause you to condemn yourself. Even though sin is no longer an issue. Sin, you condemn yourself. Our own conscience, because that was part of the fall. We, Adam and Eve, humanity received a conscience when they decided we will choose for ourselves what is good and what is evil. Right? And as soon as they received their own conscience and they realized what they were done, all of a sudden we're naked. Why was that such a big deal all of a sudden? Is because God was, wasn't naked. Before, they were always conscious of them and God. And now, all of a sudden, they were no longer God conscious. They were self-conscious. And condemnation came in right from the very beginning. And they hid themselves from God. Do you see that? When you have condemnation in your life, there are thousands of people out there that do not seek God because they have a condemned heart. They're condemned in their heart. They have condemned themselves, even though in Christ Jesus, God has not condemned them. He's wooing them all to come and receive the glorious new life found in him. Look at verse 20. 1 John 3.20. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Do you know something? God doesn't look at your condemned heart. He looks at Jesus. God is greater than your condemned heart. Even when we fail to have faith, guess what? He still has faith in what Jesus Christ has accomplished. That's why he can remain faithful even when we are not. That's good news. That God remains faithful even when we are not. He is going to be that faithful husband even if we're the adulterous wife. That's awesome. That's good news. That sounds like the gospel. See, sin doesn't change God. You know that? Sin does not change God. It changes us. Sin does not affect God. It affects us. Sin does not change God's attitude towards us. It affects our attitude towards God. The whole world has a condemned heart because of sin. 
But the believer can reject those accusations of sin, that guilt, that condemnation thrown at them by the devil or even our own conscience. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith. See, there's that assurance of the heart there. It's sincere. How? Why? Because we believe upon Jesus and we walk in love. Let us draw near, draw near to God with a sincere heart, fully of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our hearts, our inner man, you should see as cleansed. What is an evil conscience? An evil conscience is a heart that is perpetually conscious of sin and failure and typically expects punishment. Does that, does that not describe most of unbelievers out there? I mean, where do we get these sayings? And I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. If I walked into a church, the roof would fall in. If, if I'd get struck with lightning if I came into the church building... That is a condemned heart. That is a person that has condemned themselves and they think that they're worthy of punishment. They're worthy of punishment. And we do all crazy things to hide in the bushes from God because of our condemnation. We make up crazy things like out of nothingness, an explosion happened that created all things. I mean, we come up with the craziest things. We have awesome bushes nowadays to hide from God because of our condemned heart. When all the simple humbling oneself of pride and putting our faith in Jesus Christ would cleanse us from an evil heart and give us a sincere heart. Instead of being sin conscious, we can be righteous conscious. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15.34 says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. How do you stop sinning? Awake to who you are in God. Awake to your righteousness. I am righteous. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak to this of your shame, to your shame. There's a lot of Christians, and I used to be one. And there, there, there may be some times in my life where I forget who I am in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, I speak to this shame. You don't know God. You don't know what he's done for you in Christ Jesus. You need to awaken to your righteousness and sin not. A good conscience sprinkled by the blood of Jesus does not feed on the knowledge of good and evil. Think about that. That's the fall, right? How often do you feed on the knowledge of good and evil? What I just did, was it good or was it evil? What I just thought, is it good or is it evil? What I just watched, is it good or is it evil? I would reckon that most Christians spend the majority of their time eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Self-righteousness, self-works, self-effort. Judging themselves rather than in the flesh rather than in Christ. 
And we were never designed. We were predestined to eat from Jesus, to eat from the tree of life, which Jesus says. The tree of life became the tree which he hung on, where all men get life. A good conscience sprinkled by the blood of Jesus does not feed on the knowledge of good and evil. A good conscience feeds on the life of Christ and gives you the confidence to draw near to God with a true heart full of assurance of faith. Because we all know this, that for some time now, medical science has identified guilt and condemnation as sources of many various symptoms to appear in the human body. And they have been able to recognize that a condemned person, it affects their bodies tragically. But even though that they can isolate, they can identify that guilt and condemnation as sources, the problem is, is they have no solution to destroy it. Because what they fail to understand is that it's a spiritual problem that's causing a physical problem. The devil is the accuser. Do you know that that's really what it means? Devil means the accuser, and he's called the what? The accuser of the brethren. That's his job, is to accuse you, to accuse you and to bring condemnation. Why? Because condemnation kills. It weakens the inner man. It brings heart disease. Even when you do something right, the accuser will say, that's not good enough. You could have done this, this, and this. If you really believed God, you wouldn't have gave that, that homeless person 10 bucks. You would have given them everything in your wallet. Or you read three chapters in your Bible. Well, you know, you spent, and that took you 20 minutes. Guess what? You spent two hours watching TV. Even when you do good, the accuser comes to say it's not good enough. That's why you can never judge yourself in your flesh. You have to judge yourself in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because it's a fog of deception. The accuser, the devil, it, it, he's sneaky. He's a snake. And he brings in a fog of deception. Satan's greatest goal is to bring about accusations in your life and leave them completely undetected. Not only that, he has convinced the majority of the body of Christ that God, that God is the source of their conviction of sin and guilt and condemnation. And I said that right, that God is the source of their conviction of sin, guilt, and condemnation. Because I'm, I'm going to hit you with something here pretty soon that you, you will go home and check, check your Bibles. And because of this deception, they allow themselves to entertain negative thoughts about themselves. Have you ever had negative thoughts about yourself? Or am I the only one? Have you ever thought, man, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? And it could have been something that you did 20 years ago, and you're still being accused of it. It's something that you repented of. You asked God to forgive you. It might have happened even before you were born again. And it's affecting how you live today. Don't tell me that condemnation doesn't control your heart. You see yourself in 
who you were in the flesh, and you don't see yourself in who you are in Jesus. This deception comes in, and it, and it gives you negative thoughts. It makes you feel unworthy. They begin to believe that they ought to have negative feelings about themselves because their sins and their unworthiness. The enemy is so subtle that he will bring condemnation into your life in such a way that you would be the last person to ever think that you were under condemnation. Most of the body of Christ is under condemnation and they don't even know it because they're so used to it. And we've been told that that's the Holy Spirit's job. So we not only believe it, but we embrace it as a work of God. And when you have a condemned heart, you can't be assurance in faith, and you can't receive what God wants to give you because you feel that you are unworthy to receive. You have all the reasons why God might not do it, and you can't come up with any on why he would. Here it is. The Holy Spirit never convicts you of sin. This isn't a misprint. Because I know that you've all heard, God never condemns you. God, the Holy Spirit never condemns, but he will convict. He will convict you of sin. I didn't, it's not a misprint. I didn't mis say this. The Holy Spirit, God, never convicts you of sin. Never. He never comes and points out your faults. I challenge you. I challenge you to go home, find one scripture in the Bible where it says that the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sins as a believer. That the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sins. You won't find any. You've been told, told it forever. You won't find one scripture that the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sins. What do you, what do you mean? I've been praying for my grandson all my life, saying, God, convict him. Convict him of, of the way he's living. Make him feel rotten. Make him feel terrible about the way he's living. You've been praying that forever. No wonder you haven't had any results. Because God won't do that. You know how we should pray? <laughs> Father, convict him. Of your everlasting mercy. Convict him of the love that you have for him. Convict him of who you have designed him to be and who he want, you want him to be in Christ Jesus. Bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my grandson, my granddaughter's life. Convict him of your great love. Convict him of the finished work of Jesus. It's amazing that most of our prayers are actually the work of the enemy. And I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking, well, what about John chapter 16, verse 8? And I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. In John chapter 16, 
Verse 7, it says, but I tell you the truth. So get ready. Jesus is telling you, telling you something truthful here. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, and, and he when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Right? Well, let's keep going. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the rule of this world has been judged. Notice what it's saying here. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sins. It convicts you of sin. And it doesn't convict you of sin. It convicts they of sin. Who's they? Those that are in the world. You're a believer. He never convicts you of sin. Why? Because the, the only thing that he's trying to convict people of, and what does convict mean? Convict means convince. He's trying to convince humanity that Jesus Christ paid the price, that he has done everything, that come to the table, come to the banquet table. God set up a party. He's got a wonderful life for you. He's trying to convince them and convince them and convince them while their church convicts them of their sins, of their actions. This is good news. Good preaching, Chad. That's good. Yep. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, not of sins. The sin of missing the mark of who Jesus Christ is. And once he convinces us, convicts us of who Jesus Christ is, guess what? It goes on to say that he convicts us of righteousness because I go to the Father, and you, who's that? Who's the you? Those that believe in Christ Jesus. He, so what's the Holy Spirit's job concerning you all? Right? We got some southern, you all. There we go. Y'all, yeah. The job of the Holy Spirit is to constantly convict you, which means what? To convince you of your righteousness. Do you know how many times that fog of deceit has, and deception has come in and you thought it was God? Well, you're a no good husband. How can you call yourself a man of God and, and say what you just said to, to your wife? And we're thinking, you're right, Lord. I am a no good husband. I'm a terrible husband. No. This, this is actually happens to me or happened to me. And then I started understanding the gospel, understanding that that's not the job of the Holy Spirit. And when that came in, I said, no, that's not who I am. And then all of a sudden, I heard the sweet voice saying, I I am empowering you to apologize. You, You are the righteousness of God. You are just like Christ. So humble yourself before your wife and go apologize because that's who you are. 
You're not a man filled with pride. You're not a man filled with anger. You're not a man that isn't, even if you're right, you can be right and still be wrong. And he convicts me of who I really am. That's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. To the believer, he never, ever, 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 ever convicts you of sin. You have, we have just unmasked the enemy. He only convicts you of your righteousness. Convict me, Holy Spirit. That should be our prayer. Convict me, Holy Spirit. Convict me of my righteousness. Convict me of who I am in Christ Jesus. Convict me. Convince me what kind of man I am in Jesus. Convict, convince me what kind of woman of God that I am. Convince me, Holy Spirit. This is such good news. If you don't want your life to remain the same, the solution is not changing your circumstances. The solution is changing your heart. Changing what you believe. For every area of weakness, every failure and defeat that you may be experiencing right now, I assure you that there has been some wrong believing in that area. Your answer lies in right believing. So what is the secret? If, if condemnation is the silent killer, if the condemnation is what is destroying the body of Christ, if the condemnation, con, condemnation is weakens our inner man and doesn't, it re, steals our faith and our assurance towards God and keeps us from running boldly to God and receiving his, his grace and his mercy and his power and expecting to receive from him anything that we ask, if condemnation is this killer... How do we overcome condemnation? Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So I see, Chad, I see how I get rid of condemnation. I have to walk in the Spirit if I want to get rid of condemnation. i got to do something. i got to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, and then I won't be condemned. Nope. See, this Scripture was so radical that the translators had a hard time translating it. And in the King James, you'll see, at least they were honest. You'll either see in the footnotes or it'll be italicized. And we know that all italicized in the word is what? Added there by the translator. So this is the New King James Version. So this, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, guess what? That wasn't in the original manuscripts. It was added. They were saying, "We got it, it, this can't be right. It can't be right that there are no condemnation to those that, who are in Christ Jesus. It has to, we have to do something. We can't just say, tell everybody that they're, they're not, no longer condemned. They got to be good. We got to tell them to be good or they'll be bad. Look at how the new American standard 
version puts it. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you get rid of condemnation in your life? Believe on Jesus Christ. See yourself in Jesus Christ. Nothing more. If you add anything to it, you're going to find yourself condemned. Because how many of you can walk in the Spirit constantly? No, when you see yourself in Christ Jesus, it removes all condemnation. The only time that you have condemnation in your life is when you start judging yourself by your actions. And you know what the Bible calls that? Self-righteousness. And the church is filled with it. The secret to no condemnation is Jesus. You have been united together with Christ, and you can't make Jesus sinful. Who's greater, you or Jesus? If you've come into union with Christ, his spirit comes in you. Are you going to contaminate the spirit of God? Are you going to contaminate Jesus? No, he's going to contaminate you with his holiness, his righteousness, his perfection. Your spirit has been perfected. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 6.15. This is such an odd scripture to use, I know, but I, it just paints what a beautiful picture. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. Why? Because their actions really didn't line up with who they were in Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 6.15, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? He answers it for him. <laughs> Certainly not. Do you know what he's saying? Do you know what he's saying? He's just not saying don't go visit temple prostitutes because that's not what good Christians do. He's saying, you are the body of Christ. You are his members. And when you go visit a harlot, you're taking Jesus right with you. Jesus Christ never visited harlots. But you know what? Since he has dwelt within the body of Christ, he's visited many. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is there in the midst of it. And he's saying, awake to your righteousness. Awake to that you are the body of Christ. You are members. You are flesh of his flesh and bones of his bone. The spirit of God dwells in you. And everything you do in this life, he does it along with you. That's amazing. That's how united we are with Jesus. You see, when we believe the gospel and who we are in Christ... There is now no condemnation. And we are freed from sin to live unto the glory of God. We're almost done. A little, went a little long. So what happens when, when, we, when I sin? What happens when I sin? Well, you can allow condemnation to come in. You can listen to the accuser of the brethren. You can listen to your own conscience and saying you're an old, old sinful loser. And you're never going to have victory. And it's never going to work. And God's going to cast you away. 
You can listen to all those things, or you can reject. You can cast down those vain imaginations. You can be like Adam, and you can run and hide in the bushes. But the good news is God's not going to leave you in the bushes. He's going to come seeking you out. He's going to come seeking you out. So why run and hide in the bushes when we can do this? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, what we believe, what our heart is assured upon. For we do not have a high priest that can't sympathize, whatever, however you said that word, with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can choose not to allow condemnation to keep us from God, but we run to God. We declare our our confidence of who we are in Jesus Christ, and we come running to the throne of grace. And as we come running to the throne of grace, we don't find punishment, we don't find judgment, we find mercy and empowerment to overcome through Jesus Christ. Receive grace. Grace is the empowerment of God in your life to be world overcomers in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a killer. Condemnation will keep you from God. Condemnation will keep you from receiving from God. It's the producer of heart disease. So how do we get rid of condemnation? We judge ourselves in nothing but in Christ and him crucified. We see ourselves in that. We cast down all those religious ideas. We cast down all the accusers of the, of the brethren, the, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to title them. You'll cast down those accusations, those fiery darts. With what? The shield of faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. Isn't that somehow all the Bible makes sense when you just start talking about Jesus and what he done? We put our faith in Jesus Christ and we choose to, to cast down those imaginations and we start seeing ourselves and who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We can't thank you enough for not leaving us in our condition, not leaving us in that Marie clay, that you have picked us up, set us on the rock of our salvation, which is Jesus Christ himself, the foundation in whom the whole body of Christ is built. And we are living stones declaring the glory of God as we live out our lives in your kingdom here on earth. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have sent yourself as the Holy Spirit to convict us of our righteousness. That you have come to convict us of who we are in Christ Jesus. Convict us, Lord. Convict us, Lord. Convince us who we are. We love you. We thank you that you abstain us by your grace that was revealed in Mr. Grace himself, Jesus. 
And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we choose to believe and trust in him in every single area of our life. And it's in his mighty name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.